Facebook message. I closed the laptop. Um, and actually at the time I was in Milan. So I went out to a cathedral in Milan and like, it was just like, they're like praying that someone would apply for this. And I didn't just like totally say that we we're going to have students and we didn't. Um, and yeah, by the time, by the time I got back, that's when, you know, um, yeah, things were rolling by the time I knew there was so much interest. Um, and then within sort of seven days of getting people, you know, accepted, they were on a plane to the Philippines with us. <laughs> Welcome to the Everyday Changemakers Podcast. I'm your host, Dave McManus. On the podcast, I interview everyday changemakers to learn more about their story, how they began, and what challenges that they had along the way. With this podcast, I hope to inspire other people to take action on the things that they're passionate about to make the world a healthier, safer, and more inclusive place. Eliza and Will of Hello to Health. Welcome to the Everyday Changemakers podcast. Thank you so much for Thank having you. us. Awesome. Well, I'll kick things off and could you tell us a little bit about yourselves? My name is um, Eliza and right now I'm the one of the co-founders and the managing director at Howard to Health, which is an Australian-based charity. And what we do is fundraise to be able to provide free health education um, about some of the really important topics to some of the youth over in some of those disadvantaged communities are in rural Philippines. And then I'll pass over to Will to say what he does. Hi, hi Dave. And I am the, one of the co-founders and the country director for the Philippines of Health. And I do most of the Philippine part uh, of the operations. And how did you guys meet? Yeah, that's always a funny story. Um, actually, we're intro- I was going to the Philippines to volunteer anyway, so it was a thing that I did during university years. And I went through an organization called ISEC, and the first time I went, it was through that organization, and the second time I went, it was just directly just to go over to help a few charities. And on that second meeting, one of the president, I think it was the president of, of ISEC at the time, said, it's so amazing that you came back, because that's not quite often what something someone does on a volunteering trip. And then I sort of confided in him about sort of wanting to be able to do more in this particular community or this area of health that I was in volunteering. And then he connected me up with some friends locally who did developmental work just to see if we could kick off a conversation about what we could do together. And I do remember that Will and I had this idea of starting like a foundation for like health education, maybe a year before Helen was actually born. And it never you know, happened because we were just like all focused about the paperwork or whatnot. But it's crazy that now that after we really did meet that a year after you know, seeing that idea, we did pull it off. I was wondering if you could tell us a bit more about healthcare in the Philippines and some of the areas that Hard to Health were kind of focused on. Well, where do I start? That just brought it, feels like history already. But well, I live in, I grew up in rural Philippines, in southern Philippines, in this area where we're doing the health missions. It's decent, humble, and laid back. But the fact that a nonprofit organization like German doctors chose this part of the world to put out their hospital to serve the poorest of the poor in the region alongside parts of India and um, Kenya and Sierra Leone is a testament to that the opportunities and privileges is just far cry from at least what the Philippine capital enjoys. And even to this day, that part of the region 
the bigger and more equipped hospitals are located maybe three to five hours away. Uh, if you're lucky driving to be driving your own car. And uh, unfortunately, that's not the majority. That's not the case for the majority of the Filipinos. And, uh, and I can remember when I was growing up, when we needed this, the same service of the German doctor's hospital, where I had to wait uh, in the corridor because there's not enough room for patients who are needing free medical attention. And when we went back with the HALA team two years ago, no, almost two years ago, in January 2019, nothing much has changed actually. And I realized that people are still needing the same healthcare, healthcare services, particularly in the rural areas. And we're talking here about uh, people who are actually traveling hours on end on a horse to get those healthcare services for free. Yes. What's the, just putting in perspective, what's the average family income for a week? I'm not quite particularly sure about this thing, but definitely if we're just basing it on uh, what sector of the society the hospital is servicing, these are, we, we always, the government always label them as below poverty, almost below poverty line. I'm not sure with the figures of how much in Australian or US dollars, but basically some families would have to give up education of a family member because if another family member is sick, like that case. So will you really understand the problem, obviously, very well mm. and having lived there and grown up with it and had a lot of connections, how, what were those first steps that you and Eliza took to get this thing? You obviously, a year before you started it, you said, hey, we should start this thing. You know, let's zoom back, let's zoom forward to a year later and you're like, hey, let's start this thing. What, what were the, how'd you get started? It seems like such a massive undertaking. Coming from the social sciences background, I was very active with advocacy programs in the university. And post-university, I would fly myself across uh, Southeast Asia doing projects for the youth, be it a local health or education program or opening up international leadership programs or experiences. And uh, fast track to 2018, I am already living in a different city. This was a few months after Eliza and I first met, and I got an initial communication from my network in my hometown, because I, I used to grow up in, in Valencia, in this rural community. And they were asking for help for this very hospital where, where I used to get free medical services when I was young. And the story behind it is that the funding ceased after 25 years, and the local staff were left to find means to continue serving the people. And I knew that Eliza was already helping communities and organizations in Southern Philippines. And so I reached out to her and told her that there is an opportunity to help an under-resourced community hospital who provides free health services to the people and who would like basically people who are from the far-flung areas and not just in the city center or the town center. And thankfully she responded positively with actually four pre-med students from Monash University in Melbourne. And that's what, 3,000, more than 3,000 miles away, who would have never known that this place existed. We had this pilot trip in, in 2019, and our intention that time was to bring uh, donation, just really bring donation. But I think we already know, I can, I don't know if I can speak for Eliza, but I knew at that time that we, we wanted to do more basically. And once we arrived and after a number of 
site visits, we stumbled upon a bigger picture of health facilities that make education as you know, a backbone of their services. And we're talking about field mission trips of doctors before and nurses and uh, allied health professionals who would stay in the mountain for 10 days to do medical missions. And part of that medical mission is actually education, educating local officials and local people to do preventative care. And went to schools that just don't have the opportunity to run their programs in place because maybe manpower and uh, funding issues. And by manpower, we are talking here, at least in these areas, an average of 9,000 students to one guidance counselor. And oh. yeah, this is a <laughs> jarring uh, number. But that's when we started to create our health education materials suited to the local context, basically in, uh, in clinics, community health centers, and, and schools. And we realized that, eventually we realized that the most impactful place would be with the youth, basically. That's and, awesome. Uh, yeah. we, well, I just pause there and throw it over to Eliza. When you got, what, got the call from Will, the email, you know, what were you thinking and what are the next steps that you took? Yeah, we had seeded the idea, as Will said, in about a year before Hallett actually started. So at the beginning of 2018, I was still in university at the time. So I I came back from my trip, came back to university. I obviously studied at Monash and basically just went through like almost a very normal year of university. Just thinking in the back of my head, I still just need to get through this course because I want to go on and, and do and give back. I'm still like a second year student. What can you really do something mentality? And by the time I got the call from Will at the end of the year and it came just, you know, very randomly in my inbox was just like, Hey, do you remember that? I know that you, I remember we wanted to start a foundation. We never did, but here's this opportunity to be able to, we could, you know, start it here at this community because, and then he gave me all the context of the call and I very much was just on the line of the phone and he was describing the hospital setting and the, the, the problem they were for longevity and the problem they had for delivering services. And at the end of the call, he was like asking, could you possibly help with maybe donating a few like hospital beds? And I said to him, I think your your problem is a bit bigger (laughs) than hospital beds. Uh, And yeah, so I guess that's when um, the the idea stated that we wanted to bring some more people on because that idea of providing health education was already in the back of our head. But I had at the time also gone through sort of like an accelerator program which very much had gave us the mentality of don't go and approach problems with a solution in mind. And, and that sort of was where we were at. We already knew the solution in mind was health education. And that's what we wanted to do on a community basis. But then we were going in thinking, okay, we need to strip back what we already know and then just spend that first trip, just going around and meeting everyone that we could to learn the context on ground. Um, and that's exactly what we did. So Literally within, from that phone call to, I would say, it took two weeks to put together the trip. Will organized everything in the country. And what I had to do was organize some volunteers to come. And I guess it was really important for us. Initially, we were going to just go ourselves and do that sort of research or discovery phase and and go around and meet everyone ourselves in, I guess, the international development space when there is so much logistical heavy work to be done it was like you know if we were really where to go by ourselves it would take forever before the first batch of volunteers would come with us so we're like you know what let's just be really open and honest and just say to the first batch of volunteers hey we actually haven't don't even know what the program really is we just are trying to discover and if you wanted to come along with the journey with us on how we could start this up together 
then apply for this thing. So essentially what I ended up doing within sort of two weeks of knowing that we were going to do this trip with a few volunteers, I just asked Will, like, how many seats in the car do you have? Like, how many volunteers can we have? And he's got four seats in the back. So I just basically screenshotted my Excel itinerary of, of what the two weeks was going to look like. I screenshotted the location that we were going to and then posted that onto a, a Facebook group on our biomedicine page because I knew that the dual end of this was the problem that I was trying to solve for students and the reason why I was so passionate about bringing students over was because in something like a biomedicine degree, which is what I studied, I could already see firsthand there were so many students who wanted to be in the medical profession, but there aren't actually opportunities to volunteer across the world in a medical capacity where it's not just walking behind a doctor and you're actually doing something. And so I put up this opportunity about two weeks out from us actually departing Australia. Funnily enough, I actually wasn't in Australia at the time, but within sort of two hours of posting that up and I posted actually like a very long letter. It wasn't even really an application. I just, I posted a letter to my, my cohort and I was like, look, I've done this uh, thing in the Philippines before and, and I wanted to go back and do more. And I think we could all be part of the change and do more together as students. This trip is all about figuring out how to do that. Who wants to come with us? And within sort of two hours of posting that up, I had about like 22 applications in my inbox. And I was like, holy crap. When I put that out, I was actually so nervous that I, I've sent the Facebook message I closed the laptop and actually at the time I was in Milan. So I went out to a cathedral in Milan and like, it was just like, they're like praying that someone would apply for this. And I didn't just totally say that we we're going to have students and we didn't. And yeah, by the time I got back, that's when, yeah, things were rolling. By the time I knew there was so much interest and then within seven days of getting people accepted, they were on a plane to the Philippines with us. That's amazing. I just want to dig into something and pause right there. When you're about to send that, you're about to hit go on Facebook. And you, I mean, that, I think that's a very consistent thing for a lot of people who are starting something. They're, they're afraid to ask for an introduction. Um, after doing that, would you do it again? For sure. For sure. I think it was, sorry, would, would I do it again in terms of post the message? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think the, the reason why it was so scary and I had to analyze at the time, like there's a split second where you double guess yourself before you press hit. And then you just got to close your eyes and do it. But there was, I had to really, like, I think I thought about it a lot. And I was like, the reason why it is scary is because you're just really scared of being judged. But really the real fear is, yeah, that, that this will go out and you'll be judged. But, you know, at the end of the day, what would I judge myself on? And I think if I failed to do that and I failed to bring students over, I failed to deliver what I said I was going to do then that would be the real failure and not the not pressing the hit button (laughs) for sure so you've got the team together we'll pick you up from the airport and what are some of the problems and key solutions that that came out of that it could be for the first mission or the second mission yeah we'd love to hear some of the the ones you were you're tackling well, the first time I was on that first trip, we went to Valencia and that was all about obviously talking to a lot of people. With, and I guess what came out was we, there were a few big pronged problems. One was obviously funding for longevity of health services. We did not have that. The other was manpower to deliver health services. As students, we also did not have that. But the third thing that came out was 
providing health education to be able to prevent a lot of these diseases which are preventable from happening simple things like teaching um, people who might live in more in rural and places in the mountains where there aren't clean water sources what a clean water source is from what's not and that will prevent the same patient coming back every three months with gastro and that unfortunately you know became such a big problem that there was a whole entire ward in the hospital dedicated to gastro but it was so preventable if we had just provided the right information and possibly provided the tools to be able to clean water. That's just one example. What else came up? On the health education front at the time, this was a year back at the start of 2019, the Philippines was on this trajectory of being on the epidemic of a dengue outbreak. And we went to primary schools and children under the age of 13 are most prone to dengue. And where you have a playground where all these children are playing and there's stagnant water sources, there often there was one student in every class who would get infected by dengue. And that was, again, highly preventable by just the knowledge of knowing how not to get it. And there were, I guess, a ton of other topics that we taught about. And from anything from like rabies to teenage pregnancy and mental health, which is what we focus on now. But what we essentially did was gather the scope of all those sort of topics that we would be able to teach about and would make a difference by some things, unfortunately, in terms of like non-communicable diseases, which are like the cancers or whatnot. Those are long-term things where you can't just, a piece of information won't be able to change your diagnosis at the end of the day. But there are things that you know come from the mosquito and if you just avoid the mosquito sort of thing, it could make a world of difference to you. And so we basically picked for every location that we went to. So for instance, we staggered it out as primary schools, high schools, and then health facilities. For each one of those streams, we found the top three priorities that they wanted us to teach on and would make a difference. And then that's, yeah, we came back with, with that being the scope of what our missions would be able to teach on. And the first thing we did was basically just get volunteers for the next batch, have them write up some content and basically just do a pilot of teaching that as if learn a bit about how teaching for young students, teaching for teenagers in the Philippines went, which wasn't very thorough in the early days, must I say. It was not that great. And then we just let them go on and teach and just analyze how interactive it was, analyze just if students are actually retaining and interacting with the class. And I guess that was our, our MVP going out. And from there, we've really just, you know, taken on and learned a lot about you know, teaching um, in schools and all that kind of thing and put a whole class structure to it and made the content a whole lot um, better. Now to the point that our, our programs and schools are now part of the Department of Education there, which is terrific. That's amazing. It sounds like you tackled a whole range of different problems. I, I was wondering, maybe Will, if you could talk to this around developing the curriculum and, you know, developing the programs is one thing, but then getting the engagement, obviously, Australia and the Philippines are different culturally. What types of challenges or how is that received by the people who are taking the programs? Yeah, I think in a country where the number of nonprofit organizations basically obscure the number of the islands across the archipelago, we're talking about like 60,000 plus registered nonprofit organizations in the country right now, from a few years back. But I think the challenge was actually gaining the trust of the locals and also be taken seriously. I was talking to Eliza about this, and like, what is really the challenge that we had when we just started? And truly just getting that trust and be taken seriously. As a young organization, it is really difficult to wiggle around bureaucracies to get to that first door. And you just hope that first door would 
eventually open or lead to another. And we started with the local government talking with the mayor and the vice mayor, and then went to the city health office asking for materials from the Department of Health and the local office of the Department of Health. And quite honestly, it was rewarding at that time uh, because we, would, we, would not, we were not expecting to have those uh, doors opened for us. But some people, just that the challenge was some people would have the you know, preconceived idea of you just being a, a passing thing because you're a young organization or you're just trying to test waters in that area. And maybe if you find some other area that's more uh, or a lot bigger, and with more uh, students or more practice or more experience for your Australian volunteers, you would leave that place. And, and I think that's part of building the trust. And I think that's where building the trust from the very beginning, from the very first meeting was very crucial. And luckily we were able to meet the right people at the very beginning. And we got all the materials that we, we needed to localize the context of each each issue. And I know that the, the Australians have the background of, of, for example, adolescent reproductive health or, or mental health, but it's not really low. Yeah, culturally, we have different approach in the Philippines. So we got those materials from local health offices and learned it by heart, basically translated it. I, I did a lot of the most translations that I did in my life from English to Filipino and made those uh, materials make it more understandable for the local audience. And yeah, uh, and we did it by, I would say that we did it by uh, being honest with our intentions at the very beginning and where we were at that point, what we can do and what we cannot do, basically. And I think that when you truly believe your why and why you're doing these things, uh, people can see that passion through your eyes. And uh, when we... Even at the very young, at the very young stage of the organization, we sit across the table with, with the vice mayor and the, and the mayor and other health officials in the local area. They were able maybe to see from us that we really wanted this and we wanted to do this and we want to make that impact and not just come here once and then just be gone. And I think we, when we kept coming back and back to the community, people figured out that, yeah, we truly are true to our words and that we are we mean serious business and we want to make really impact in that part of the region yeah not going anywhere <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that's great i think it's so unique around it's like it's two-sided marketplace i know that sounds really bad wouldn't it wouldn't have worked out if will you didn't understand the entire landscape and have a lot of the connections and culturally and the lies on the other side you didn't have connections to all of these great students and also have the foresight to to organize the program how it might work and what might be an incentive for them so i think it's awesome and congratulations on all that you've achieved so far it's no easy task oh thank you yeah i think that is definitely something that yeah we've had early days is know where our stress were and just played to them day one we are the leanest team that are, are serving so many and if some people just look from the outside just like how on earth are you doing it but i think when you really do place people to play to their strengths you've basically been able to synergistically add up all the men the very little manpower that we all have that's awesome and then the final question i would ask would be if someone's listening to this at home and is passionate about a problem but they're not really sure where to start 
you know, what advice would you have for them? What advice would you have for them? That is a great question. I, I guess I'll start on this one. I would always say that taking the first step is always miles ahead of not starting at all. And it is totally the hardest part for me was pressing that button to hit go and ask people to join this thing. I guess failure to launch is the biggest hurdle and just putting yourself out there. You really just don't know what the reaction will be and don't double guess what, don't always assume the worst or don't always assume what the outcome will be. You really don't know until you give it a go. Bass. Will? I would say that I think what we did that we can impart to, to others is that we take every challenge an opportunity to learn and grow. Uh, we always tell both our Philippine and Australia teams that we strive to create an environment and experience for everyone that is fun, learning and impactful. And uh, yes, it was fun. There's a, as a thrill factor to, to the travel because everything is new, but more importantly, it was learning. And we subscribe to the idea that finding every opportunity to learn is vital in every step of the way for every young and growing organization. It's amazing. Both very great advice. And where can people check you out and support you? Yeah, our website is www.howlettohealth.org. As I mentioned earlier, we are now a registered Australian charity and soon there will be um, a donation button on there in the coming weeks. But I guess, like I mentioned earlier, on the Australian side of things, we fundraise to be able to provide this service and, and the free health education in country. And the way we do that is actually by educating students who want to get into med school, particularly from Australia, the UK. And so if you are looking for a course or any preparation material to try and get into med school and you're an aspiring sort of doctor, or yeah, come check out our core, our, some of our prep courses because all those tuition fees go straight towards fundraising for our foundation in the Philippines. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for taking the time um, to speak with me. Terrific. Thanks so much, Dave. Thank you so much, Dave. Pleasure. Well, that's another episode of Everyday Changemakers. Thank you so much for tuning in. It means a lot. If you can hit the subscribe button on the podcast player of your choice, that would be greatly appreciated. And head on over to djmgrowth.com forward slash everyday dash changemakers to get the latest show notes. Thank you so much.